Hello and welcome to another episode of Shattered Lives, Rich Ireland's crime podcast for the Irish Daily Star and Irish Mirror. I'm crime and defence editor Michael O'Toole. Today we are continuing our coverage of the trial of Joseph Puska. As you know, Mr Puska, who is 33 and a Slovakian national from Lainali Grove in Mokla in County Offaly, is on trial at the Central Criminal Court for the alleged murder of Ashley Murphy. Miss Murphy, who was 23, died after she was assaulted on the Grand Canal at Capincur, Tullamore, County Offaly, on the 12th of January 2022. Mr Puska denies the charge. He is on trial at the Central Criminal Court in front of Mr Justice Tony Hunt and a jury of nine men and three women. Today was the sixth day of the trial. Our crime correspondent Paul Healy was in court for today's hearing and he joins us now. Hello, Paul. Hello, Michael. So we, we usually try to mention every witness and we're going to do that today but we're not going to do it in a chronological chronological order. There were six witnesses today and I think we have decided we're going to go with witness six first of all so the last witness. Yeah so the last witness today uh, and matters just finished up there before half four so the last witness in the trial today was Anne-Marie Kelly. So she's a primary school teacher from Tullamore And I'll get into her evidence now in detail in a moment, but the crux of her evidence is she says that she was being followed by a man on the same day that Ashling Murphy was killed in Tullamore, roughly about an hour to an hour and a half before Miss Murphy was killed. She had an encounter with a man. She says that this man was following her. And we had um, information from the defence today that they say that this man is their client, Mr Puska, but they very much deny the accusation that he was in any way following this lady. Okay, so I believe it started off, her first piece of evidence was that obviously Miss Miss, uh, Murphy died on the 12th at around half three. And I believe she, uh, Miss Kelly contacted Gardy that evening and this and the following days so the 13th of January 2022 yeah she did indeed uh, miss miss kelly said that she contacted gardy on the night of the 12th she had seen the news um like everybody else about the murder of miss murphy in tullamore and she said that she made the connection between a walk that she had out in tullamore that day and what she saw on the news so she said on the 12th she was walking in the church road area that's where she started her walk and she said that that was about two o'clock in the afternoon. She knows this because she was wearing a fitness belt, which recorded the, the time that she started her her fitness. Um, so she was planning on running, uh, jogging and walking along with her dog. So she started on the left-hand side of the road, she said, and then at some point she crossed the road at just before a roundabout there where Dunn Stores is. She walked on then the direction of the local McDonald's. And she continued on and it's around this point, she says, around the McDonald's that she noticed that somebody was behind her. Uh, She felt the presence of someone behind her and she looked and she said someone was on a bike behind me at that point. And I think uh, Mr. Bowman says his client, Mr. Puska, recollects passing the witness, but he recollects uh, passing her and looking at her, but he doesn't believe he stared at her and didn't intend to. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Miss Kelly says that uh, her allegation of this interaction is when she looked back, she said this man was staring at her in an intimidating manner. And she said it felt like a, a couple of seconds. Uh, sorry, she said it felt like a, it felt like minutes, but it, she's sure it was probably a couple of seconds. Um, she gave a description of this man. He was dark. Uh, she said he was on a dark grey bike. He was slim build, shaved head black stubble, dark eyes that she said were very distinctive and he had sallow skin. Um, As we've said, look, there's no contention here. The defence say this is Mr Puska. Um, The witness at no point said 
that she knew Joseph Puska. She just described him as the man. Uh, the defence are the ones saying this was Mr. Puska, but they deny the allegation. Mr. Bowman, Mr. Michael Bowman, senior counsel, said he put it to the witness that his client didn't stare, and that if he did, that it was not his intention to stare. He 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 can actually recall the in- passing the witness, and he recalls looking at her, but it was not his intention to stare. Um. So the witness went on, Just uh, that was the cross-examination, but before we got to that stage, she was just describing how she felt intimidated by this man. She kind of stopped and buried her head in her phone, and she then jogged up by a hill to the car park there, just before the canal walk. She then went into the canal walk, and she said that this man, she saw him again, standing to her left. So she decided to make a decision then and there, she said, which she she now thinks was a foolish one, where she decided to walk up the mucky side of the path. So you might recall we've heard evidence there's two sides uh, to the canal. There's a there's a pathway and then there is a kind of a, a, a muckier side where no there's no real tarmac. And she decided to go up the mucky side because she thought if this man is following her, he's not going to cycle up that mucky end. So she went up this grassy end of the canal, but she said she looked behind her again and this man was behind her, walking with the bike and walking quite quickly. She recalls then getting up to a white van and she had an interaction with a farmer-like man, an older man, she said, and they exchanged pleasantries, had just said hello to each other and she continued on walking. She recalls then stopping to tie her lace or to, to get the dog to catch up with her, she said, and let the man go on ahead of her. She recalls the man ahead of her but she said he was going very, very slowly. And so she had to make the decision uh, to pass him. She said she passed him again and went quite quickly in the direction of Boland's Lock. And she can recall being at Boland's Lock because she actually took a photo of it, sent it to her girlfriend, she said, and a voice message basically asking, is it safe to cross there? And he said, she said at this point the man was catching up on her. He was coming again quite fast up the hill. And she said, I just wanted to get away from him at this point. And she ran on. She very much felt like this man was following her. Um, and in cross-examination with Mr. Bowman, you know, Mr. Bowman said his client was certainly not following Miss Kelly. And she responded by saying she certainly felt as though he was following her. And I think she said that she felt she was being followed for quite some for a bit of for quite a bit of time. For quite a bit of time, she said. And, and you know, as I've gone through there in detail, the, the, the allegation that he was following her started all the way out at the McDonald's and all the way then to the canal walk and up the canal. So it's quite a period of time from two o'clock onwards that she says that this man was following her. And Mr. Puska does acknowledge that he had an interaction with Miss Kelly, that he was there, that it was him on the bike. Um, so that is all, is interesting because we also saw CCTV footage today and the witness, this was her first time seeing this footage. So she had to identify herself in court on camera and we basically saw a lady walking up the path up by the McDonald's and then you can see a figure on the bike coming up behind her. She she identified herself and then she said the man on the bike in the footage was the same man that she recollects as as she says following her. Um, so she was cross-examined after being shown that footage um, and Mr Bowman also asked just in terms of her recollection because in her statement to Gardy, Miss Kelly actually said... Um, at one point, she kind of had rationalised it and thought uh, maybe this man was foreign and he was lost. And she was asked to confirm that she had thought that. And she said, well, yes, uh, she thought he was following her. 
but at a certain point she rationalised it and thought perhaps this is just a foreign man who doesn't know where he is and he's lost. Um, so she was asked to confirm that by Mr Bowman. Can we, you just go back to one other thing uh, before before that cross-examination aspect. I understand that Miss um, Miss Kelly said she met on the canal, she met what she said was a lovely, friendly girl. Yes, uh, we didn't go into a whole lot of detail about this, but she the, the last person that she met on the canal, she said, was a lovely, friendly girl who she said was blondie hair, blondie brownie hair, and that she had a, um, a, dis- a distinctive um, salmon-like coloured hat. Um, and she said that she had a brief chat with her. Um, they had a nice chat, and she petted her dog. Uh, and so that was the last person that she met on the canal. This would have been after two o'clock. Um, as we said, Miss Murphy was killed sometime, but uh, around half three that afternoon. And I note that uh, in cross examination, Mister Bowman, you mentioned passing. She said was someone who looked like a farmer, a man in a white van. But I understand in cross examination, Mister Bowman put it to her said, "Well." If you were concerned, you didn't stop and talk or, you know, seek help or whatever from the farmer or the, the man with the van. Yes, he said you you weren't overly concerned at that point to, to stop and say something to that man. And she said, no, that she, she wasn't at that point in time, she said. So the, I think the last bit of evidence was that Mr. Bowman asked, can he suggest to Miss Kelly that his client certainly wasn't following her? That's his position. Yes, he, as I mentioned, he said his client certainly wasn't following her. She said it's her recollection that he was. She very much feels that he was following her. OK, so that was that was the end of that witness, was it? Yeah, that concluded her evidence. Uh, and, you know, you, you, you may recall there's been other evidence in this case about the alleged movements. This is um, this is a witness claiming that she felt intimidated and that she was being followed by um, by a man who the defence have now identified as being the accused. Um, I you may recall also that earlier in the trial, that the defence did identify Mr. Puska in a number of different scenarios as well. So there are a lot of issues in this trial that there is no contention for. Uh, it is just accepted by the defence that Mr. Puska was there in Tullamore that day, and it is him that was uh, even over Miss Murphy's body. But the what the allegation that the defence make is that Mr. Puska was trying to help Miss Murphy at the time. And now we have this other incident where Mr. Puska does acknowledge that it was him, but he has another version of the events. Okay, and listeners may also remember when I was in court last on Friday, we heard about more than 50 CTV clips and the last clips that we saw there was no contention to that and that was Mr Puska at his parents apartment in Crumlin in South Dublin on the morning of the 13th including being taken to St James's Hospital on a what we was called a carry chair sort of a, a, a suitable uh, stretcher uh, and I think there were more developments on that today I think more uh, I don't know, was it Dublin Fire Brigade or HSE? Ambulance paramedics gave evidence. Yes, we heard from uh, numerous paramedics today, uh, members of Dublin Fire Brigade and the National Ambulance Service, uh, who called to that residence in Crumlin uh, on the 13th. So this is the day after Miss Murphy died. Um, So they called to this house in Crumlin and we heard that they... uh, So the first witness we heard from, it, it was Connor Mackey. So Connor Mackey, he's been with the Dublin Fire Brigade um, in, in Dolphins Barn there in Dublin and he recalls getting the phone call to go out to this house in Crumlin and he met uh, Mr Puska up in the bedroom of the house and he said that he appeared to have stab injuries 
and then he was hunched over a, a bedside locker in pain. Uh, he tried to converse with him, but he couldn't speak English, he said. So he said the, the wounds, they didn't appear to be actively bleeding. Uh, he said the blood was dried. Uh, and uh, as he said, Mr. Puska was hunched over this bedside locker in physical pain. OK, and the next witness was another paramedic, an advanced paramedic with DFB, Neil Custer. So he was also at the scene. Yes. So, so Mr. Mackey mentioned his colleague, Neil Custer, and then Neil Custer was the, the next witness. So he was the advanced paramedic, uh, the clinical lead on the case. He said he would be the clinical lead in, in these scenarios. So he got to the house. The house is on Armagh Road there in Crumlin. And he said when he got there, there were already members of the Gardaí present. He saw Mr. Puska leaning over the bedside locker and he said it did look to me that he was in pain. He was holding his stomach, moaning and groaning. Uh, he was also he was topless and, and he could see uh, the, the puncture wounds in his lower abdomen area. And he could also see that he appeared to have marks on his head and on his hands uh, and that they they basically were like scratches. He said that the stab wounds, they didn't look fresh and he couldn't see any bleeding. Uh, he couldn't rule out internal bleeding. So they did stabilize uh, Mr. Puska there and then on the bed, uh, gave him medical attention before they then transferred him to the ambulance. And so the next witness was a lady, uh, Miss Finch, who also works in the National Ambulance Service. She was at, and also attended the scene. Yes. Yeah, so this was Rian Finch. Uh, she is a member of the National Ambulance Service and she confirmed her attendance as well. She arrived at the house, she said, sometime between 11 and 12 o'clock that day on the 13th. Um, she mentioned the call information. So the basic information that she would have got over the call about what was happening was that there was a person in the house with possible stab wounds. Uh, she got there, she could see the fire truck, went inside and she saw Mr. Puska lying on the bed, basically. Um, so she was given kind of a hand over the situation, just briefed on what the situation was. And she looked at the puncture wound. She said she could see three puncture wounds. They weren't actively bleeding, she said. Um, she was asked, just what can she recall about her interaction with Mr. Puska? And she said she can recall that, that he didn't make any eye contact with her. And she was asked about any additional wounds that she might have seen. She said she could see them herself, that they appeared to be superficial in na nature. They didn't require medical attention. And she described them as being like scratches that were on Mr. Puska's head uh, and on his arms. OK, and uh, I also say, I believe that she recalls that Mr. Puska didn't make eye contact with her. Yes, she, she recalled that Mr. Puska made no eye contact with her uh, in, in that interaction. Um, so we then heard, you know, Mr. Puska, obviously he was transferred to the ambulance and brought to hospital. So that concluded basically the, their involvement in the incident. OK, so then we have another uh, lady who gave evidence called Beata Borowska. Yeah, this was brief evidence. Just Miss Boroska uh, was asked to confirm herself on CCTV. So there's footage of her walking to the Tesco in Tullamore on the day of the 12th of January. So that's the, the, the day Miss Murphy was killed. Uh, you can see an individual on a bicycle cycling behind her as she goes to the Tesco store. Now, she told Gardy and indeed she told the court that she doesn't recall anybody being behind her. She didn't think there was anything unusual about that day in particular. And that the only thing she did that day was go to the Tesco. That's her recollection of the events. So the jury did see footage of a man on a bike behind her. Uh, but Miss Borowska has no recollection of anyone being behind her at that point. OK, and her re evidence is relatively short, was it? Yeah, her evidence was, was, I mean, that pretty much in summary is her evidence. It, CCTV evidence, as you know, Mick, it, you know, it takes a time to get through it. So it did go on for a period of time 
but it's very easy to sum up i suppose uh that was it she you know as in all cases you know a person might be shown cctv footage and they'd be asked to identify themselves in it you know it can't just be assumed that a person uh, in the footage is a person it's up to that person to say yeah that's me or that isn't me and that's basically what happened in the courtroom okay so the next witness was a lady called neve arthur who is studying in in athlone institute of technology but actually lives in tullamore yeah, so she was living in Tullymore. This is Miss Arthur. She was, uh, as you say, she was studying. And she, the, 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 I suppose the key part of, of that's the reason why we need to know that, I guess, is that she was going into Tullymore to uh, get some of her material, her studying material, from an office that she was working in in Tullymore that evening. And she was brought in by her boyfriend. She went into the office and she was there for about an hour when they left and they, they drove back basically towards where she was living in Kilbegan. And she got to, uh, just before they got to this roundabout area, they came up to this recycling plant. And this is where she says that she saw a man out in the middle of the road um, wearing dark clothing, sorry, on the side of the road, uh, kind of tucked into bollards, she said. And she got a fright from this because he kind of came out of nowhere. Now, she said her boyfriend was a very um, attentive uh, driver and would be someone who, who would be careful on the roads, but he didn't even see this man, she said. Um, but she said this man looked shocked looked lost she locked eyes with him um and she said that the man seemed as though he was trying to be hidden uh he was crouched over as she said but he was kind of walking slowly um uh, and she thought that he was acting weirdly acting in in a strange manner and um it occurred near as you said occurred near the recycling plant and i think her evidence was it wasn't a route you'd take to be very safe. You'd have to have taken a long walk to get there. Yeah, she recalled, like, it's, you know, it's it's a place that you drive through, but it's not really a place for anybody to be walking, at, especially at that hour of the night. And she said that you would have to walk some distance to get there, you know, if you weren't driving. So she did note it as being unusual. She said that it was a matter of seconds, but her memory of it was clear in that she saw uh, this individual in in the pitch black, basically, as she put it, acting strangely, acting weirdly. Okay, and so the next witness is a Roy Jennings. Yeah, so Roy Jennings, uh, similar evidence to the previous witness in that he noted uh, a man in the same area around the recycling plant um, after eight o'clock that evening. And basically his circumstances are, you know, he admitted that he was being nosy and he said curious because of what had happened, what was in the news about the, 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 the what had happened to Miss Murphy. Um, so he said he went out to a car park across from the Sacred Heart School there and he went into that car park and spent a bit of time there uh, near the Dangan Road area um, before he then decided to go on to Aldi uh, where the court heard he was, he was shopping for a bottle of wine. Um, but on his way to the Aldi, he went down this road by the AES recycling plant and this is where he said that he saw this man come out of nowhere uh, out of the blackness he said I, I almost felt like I could nearly have hit him with my car um, and he was asked to kind of describe this man he said that he, he was wearing tracksuit bottoms that he thought were dirty looking and they were black and cream and he said there was a white stripe down the side of the leg he appeared to be Middle Eastern uh, and he had a smig uh, that he said it was, was like his but darker um, he said that he contacted the Guardian about this when he saw he said a CCTV image of the alleged suspect on a bike and he thought that they had, that the suspect had distinctive uh, features on his tracksuit bottoms that were similar to the man that he had seen. He said it looked very similar to the person that I saw, and that's why I contacted the guardie. He was asked by the defence, you know, why did he go out? And he actually said, I was nosy. 
uh, about what happened and that's why he went out but he thought that that um initially he didn't say anything because he had seen that the guardy actually had a suspect in custody um but two days subsequent to uh what happened to miss murphy he decided um he reckons about two days he decided then to contact guardy uh, because he felt that this person he saw matched the description of the person that the guardy were looking for at the time and just to clarify he his his evidence was that he saw this man twice going shall we say going to Aldi and from Aldi. Yes, he, he saw going to Aldi. He saw the back of the man, and then coming back, he saw the man again face on, and that's where he was able to give uh, a better description of the. But he said he was Middle Eastern in appearance, and 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 he was able to give uh, more uh, distinctive features from it from what he looked like on the return journey. Okay, and that was the end of his evidence, really, was it? Yeah, that, that really concluded his evidence. As I said, it was similar evidence uh, to the witness uh, before him. Um, so you have two witnesses there saying they saw a man acting in an unusual manner in a dark area around the recycling plant uh, on the night of, um, you know, after what had happened earlier that day. Um, I think you might have heard evidence on Friday, you know, in relation to CCTV and the alleged movements of Mr. Puska that there are some aspects to Mr. Puska's day that are accepted as being fact by the defence and there are other aspects uh, later in the evening as to his whereabouts that um, are not accepted by the defence. So I imagine we'll go into that in, in more detail as the trial progresses. Okay, and we're back tomorrow at, is it 11 o'clock? Yeah, 11 o'clock. Um, just before we finished up this evening, uh, Mr. Justice Hunt did tell the jury that we have made um, good progress in this case and he did indicate that things might finish a little earlier tomorrow uh, because we ran a little bit late today and as he said we've made good progress in the case so i i think things might wind up uh potentially by uh, i think you you noted it there on friday so potentially by the 10th of november this uh this will, be, will mark maybe the end of this trial yes so if you remember at the start the judge said four weeks possibly stretching into five so we always said it's up to five weeks but uh, mr justice hunt did say on friday that he believes the extent of the case will be the 10th of November. That will be the date by which the case is is is, is effectively over. So we'll soon see anyway. We will. Uh, thanks for listening to us, as always. Thanks very much, everybody. Thanks, Paul. Thank you.